How's everybody doing this morning? Good? Great to hear. <laughs> How's everybody doing this morning? Good? Good. Good. Sorry. I like reactions. Friends, reading Genesis 1 is like standing on top of a mountain. Or like standing on the shore of the ocean. I don't know about you, but as we went through this first chapter of the Bible, Ethan preached last week, I don't know about you, but I was just blown away. It's just mind-boggling the kind of glory and power that's revealed on the pages of Scripture in the opening chapter of the Bible. It's hard not to be blown away by the power and the majesty of our Creator, right? It's like, wow. Reminds me a little bit of what David said in Psalm 8. Right? He said in the opening verse, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. He says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? It's the majesty of the Lord in creation that leads David to humbly question the sense of his own identity. What is the essence of mankind? Have you considered that question before? It's an interesting question in our day, isn't it? Of all the challenges that we face in the 21st century in the church, I think it's obvious that we have an anthropological challenge in our day. Meaning, just simply this. We need an answer to the question, what is the nature of humanity? What is the nature of humanity? And so, we are here in Genesis chapter 1, and in order to engage that question and maybe find some clarity on an answer, we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 1 today. We're going to stay there for a little bit and focus in, in, in such a way that hopefully we can provide today a clear understanding of what it means to be made in the image of God. So that's the questions we're asking today. Two main questions I want you to hear. What does the image of God mean? What does the image of God mean? And question number two, what application does it have for us? Maybe this will be helpful for you today, all right? We are going to have three defining uh, definitions, uh, I'm sorry, three foundational definitions today. I'll say it again because I got it wrong. Three foundational definitions. And we're going to have six guiding applications for us. Did you get that? Three definitions, six applications. Three plus six equals 90-minute message. That's kind of how I feel this morning. No, hopefully we can work through this clearly and concisely today. So I'm going to invite Sarah Daly. She's going to come forward and read our scripture for today. And so let's turn our attention to her as she comes forward. Okay, our text this morning comes from the Old Testament book of Genesis, starting in chapter 1, verse 26. This is the word of the Lord. 
Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and we seek the assistance of your spirit so that we can understand what your word says and also Live and apply it to our lives. Do a work in us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Definition number one. You ready? Definition number one. You can start counting. Okay? The image of God is foundational to who we are. The image of God is foundational to who we are. Right? Verse 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. There's something in these verses that gives insight into who we are. The image of God is foundational to who we are. We understand that God has uniquely provided humans gifts, capacities, and endowments. There's a rationality. There's a morality. There's a creativity that is unique in terms of the level of intelligence that He has given human beings. There's something there that tells us who we are. As humans, we are reflections of our Creator, made in His image, after His likeness. Anthony Hokema says this, As a mirror reflects, so man should reflect God. When one looks at a human being, one ought to see in him or her a certain reflection of God. As humans, we're reflections of our Creator. Not only that, we see that we are His representatives. We, as humans, represent Him and His rule over creation. Right? Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds, over the livestock, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We represent His rule. God rules. God reigns. Amen? Over all things. When He creates mankind, He establishes a representative on earth of His rule and His reign. We are His reflections. His representatives in who we are. And all of this underscores that all humans have a unique dignity. I want you to hear that this morning. Being made in the image of God tells us who we are. And who we are is a creation that is made with an inherent dignity and value. All humans, don't miss that word, all humans have an inherent and unique dignity that is woven into the fabric who we are by our Creator. That's Definition one, the image of God is foundational to who we are. 
Application one. Who's counting? Based on the image of God, human life is to be valued and defended from the womb to the tomb. Human life is to be valued and defended from the womb to the tomb. At the moment of conception, you have human dignified life. You have a, a, a creature made in the image of God and that has an inherent value and dignity that cannot be taken away. And as such, life needs to be valued and defended in both principle and practice. And I say all this with a recognition that this intersects with a very hot topic in our culture today. It's a topic that has been hot for decades. Abortion has divided the world, but more specifically, it's divided this nation. Yet the doctrine of the image of God casts light on this hot-button issue. The truth is, is that abortion is the taking of a human life. It's the taking of a life that has inherent dignity and value. I say this realizing that there are some complicated scenarios uh, where, life, where the life of the mother's at stake, certain uh, uh, pregnancies, ectopic pregnancies that create uh, ethical matters and, and some issues that are just requiring a whole lot of grace and wisdom. But at its core, because of the image of God, abortion is the taking of a human life that is made in the image of God. And I also want to graciously acknowledge that for many people, this isn't just a political issue. It's personal. I had the opportunity to have a conversation with someone this week, a Christian woman, who in her past had had an abortion. It was a long time ago, but she shared as if though it was yesterday. She shared that for many women, this particular scenario comes as a result of a lot of pressure. Doctors, parents, peers, providing medical and practical rationale that in those moments of those decisions, a woman can feel so alone and confused and not sure what to do. And even when they don't want to, they find themselves following through with such a procedure. And on the other side of that procedure, the kind of shame and regret and pain, emotional pain, that is felt. So if you're here today, you or someone close to you has encountered this or experienced this, I want you to understand, and so does this woman want you to understand, that in Jesus Christ, there is great hope and grace and healing for you. This is not an unforgivable act. Okay? God's grace and mercy is sufficient for you. And so draw near to Him. 
Draw near to Christ. Draw near to His people. We, are, we see you. We understand the difficulties. We're praying for you. And it's our hope that as you turn to Christ, you'll experience healing and forgiveness. And yet the truth remains. Abortion at its core denies the unique value and sanctity of human life. This also means that practices like euthanasia and physician-assisted suicide are outside the bounds of Christian ethics and morality. While culture may couch these practices in rhetorical phraseology like dying with dignity, choice, compassion, the inherent dignity of human life means this, that we will value and we will defend such life from the womb to the tomb. This is all because of the doctrine of the image of God. Application 2. Based on the image of God, there is a glorious beauty in ethnic diversity. Can we just celebrate that this morning together? Right? The clear teaching and progression of the Bible is this. From Genesis 1 all the way to Revelation. that We see this in creation. Right? Men and women, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their ethnicity, is made in the image of God and has an inherent equality when it comes to worth and dignity. We see it in Genesis 1. We see it in Genesis 12 that through Abraham, God desires to bless all nations. We saw it in Psalm 67 with the prayer, bless your people. Why? So that all peoples will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We see it in Matthew chapter 28 when he tells the disciples, go into all nations right, and make disciples. And finally, we see in Revelation, we get a vision of heaven and eternity when, every, when people from every tongue, tribe, people, nation, language, all standing before the Lamb, giving glory and praise to God, saying, salvation belongs to our God. Who sits on the throne. Revelation gives us a picture of a beautiful ethnic harmony. And this is something that only Jesus Christ can truly provide. And wonderfully so, He does. And so we are here today to be super crystal clear that the doctrine of the image of God condemns all forms of racism and favoritism. The historic atrocities of our nation that regarding the enslavement of blacks is totally condemned by the Scriptures. It's not okay. The Bible's clear. The Gospel's glorious. Ethnic harmony and peace is given by God in and through His Son, Jesus Christ. Such ideas are foundationally Christian ones. They're at the core of what we believe. And they're at the core of how we should live. All human beings have value and dignity before God. Can someone say amen to that? That's what we believe. And so we seek to value and treat all people with love and dignity. We see differences as beautiful brushstrokes on the canvas of human history. The way God designed it. So let's value that together. Let's be a people who see this. Who have eyes to see. Know this and embrace this. And build our lives and relationships accordingly. Can we do that? Can we see the beauty and ethnic diversity together because of the image of God?
I think we can. I think you can. Application three, based on the image of God, men and women are equal, yet different. Based on the image of God, men and women are equal, yet different. Men and women are both made in the image of God. Male and female, He created them. Both men and women are made in the image of God. Both men and women share this value and dignity. Men are not essentially superior. So everyone's like, we know. Women are not inferior, nor vice versa. Genesis 1 underscores gender equality in terms of who we simply are together as humans made in the image of God. We're equal. Equal in value. Equal in dignity as humans. But, we also see distinction. Men and women are not the same. He made two different genders. No more, no less. Society is both prizing and promoting transgenderism and using shaming tactics toward those who disagree. But God's creative design and purpose is clear here. Men and women, He created them. These two divinely designed genders, male and female, are not the same. Culture wants to gray those lines as well. Right? Promoting and prizing androgyny. Arguing for sameness and fluidity. Friends, this is not the teaching of the Bible. We need to be clear on that. Graciously clear, but clear. This also means that we need to encourage men to be men, act like men, talk like men, live like men. To be masculine, dare I say it. Reading a book, chapter by chapter with a group of other guys. Uh, Nancy Piercy's book, The Toxic War on Masculinity. I highly recommend it. Grab it, read it. Uh, Doreen was reading the opening chapter. She said, women need to read this, not just men. The Toxic War on Masculinity. She highlights the rise of misandry, which is the hatred of men just because they're men. There are hashtags like, hashtag kill all men, and t-shirts being sold, so many men, so little ammunition. That's the narrative of the day in which we live. Let's also be clear and honest. There is a thing that is not good known as toxic masculinity. That's sin. But masculinity at its core is not toxic. I want you to hear that. God has made men in His image. Right? And they're different than women. So men, be men. Act like men. Don't apologize for it. Don't give in to the silly cultural rhetoric. And parents, let your boys be boys. Raise them as men. Envision them to strength who are ready to provide, defend, and compete. Leverage their testosterone for the glory of Almighty God. Who are strong in conviction. Who love their wives and serve their wives 
care for them, who lead. Parents raise men to be men, not women. This also means we need to encourage women to be women, to act like women, to talk like women, to live as women. We need to prize femininity according to the Scriptures. There is such beauty in femininity, the way God has designed it. There is such glory in femininity. And we have a culture that is trying so hard to manipulate women into acting like men. And shaming women, I'm sure, shaming men into effeminacy. This is not okay. Male and female, He created them. They're equal, but different. So women, be women. Nurture, preserve, care, counsel, feed others with feminine love and sensitivity. Soften the rough rough edges of our world. Wives, voluntarily yield to the loving Leadership of your husband. Display an inner beauty for others to behold. And parents, raise up your girls to be girls, to be women, not men. The image of God is foundational to who we are, which provides us such meaning and dignity as people. But not just this, also the image of God is foundational to what we do. Definition number two. The image of God is foundational to what we do. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens. Being made in God's image is inherently connected not just to who we are, but what we do. And so what do we do? Well, based on the image of God, application number four, work is what we do. Darn it. Work is what we do. It's like God is saying, as creator, I've formed, I've filled. Now you, as my reflections, as as my representatives, now you go as my image bearers, and you fill it. You fill it. Cultivate the earth. Fill the earth. Subdue the earth. Create. Create. Not ex nihilo, right? Out of nothing. We take what God has made and we form and we fill with something that already is. But create, design, build, embrace your ambitions. Cast aside all idleness and laziness. Some of you, your vision is simply, can I get to the couch and just watch a little TV? That is not the vision of humanity. That's not what you're living for. We rest so we can work. Not just work, hurry up, so that we can rest. God has something for us to do. And it's not playing Fortnite for hours on end. Sorry, Silas. Take what is natural and build culture. Rocks, make walls. Mud, make bricks. And so on and so on. In other words, what God is saying, being made in the image, is work. Work. We're called by God, created by God to work hard. He's given us gifts and passions and abilities. He's saying put them into service to the glory of your Creator. When we do that, we're living into our created purpose, being made into the image of God. We exercise dominion over creation when we do this. So as you seek to honor God with your lives, I want to encourage each and every one of you here today, your work is meaningful. There's great meaning to your work. And 
It's not just pastors who do meaningful work. As I've heard people tell me all the time, like, oh, my job, but you do meaningful work. That's not true. I mean, sometimes I do meaningful work. But we all do meaningful work. We're all, right? Taking the gifts and capabilities and passions of our life, and we're, we're, we're having dominion. We're exercising dominion. So, as entrepreneurs and creatives, and nurses, and engineers, as teachers, as sales professionals, whatever job that you're in, guess what? It's meaningful. You're exercising dominion. You're living into who you are as being made into the image of God, and you're doing exactly what God has made you to do. So see meaning. God glorifying meaning in every single thing that you do. Based on the image of God, work is what we do. Application 5, based on the image of God, having kids is what we do. It says right there, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Exercising dominion also means that God, by His creative design, has called men and women to procreate. In some ways, He's saying this, get married, have sex, have babies. It's quite simple. Get married, have sex, and have babies. And even as I say that, I understand that not everyone's married. Okay? So I want to speak to you singles. You're seen. You're known. You're loved. We're praying for you. That in this perfect way and timing, the Lord would provide for you a spouse. The Lord knows the desires of your heart. He cares for you. We're trusting in His providence and His timing for you. But as you wait, we pray that you would be faithful and pure. Faithful and pure. And find ways to connect and exhibit the qualities of fatherhood and motherhood in discipling others. When we disciple each other, we mother, we father. And we exhibit the qualities of mothers and fathers. So while you may not have marriage or biological children at this time, and that that doesn't mean you're less than. You have an incredible opportunity to live into what it means to be a man and a woman, what it means to live into the purposes of what God has made you to be as you relate to others in that way. As mothers, spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers. There's great meaning and dignity in that work as well. But we see you. We're praying for you. We're here for you. You're not alone. But procreation is part of God's calling. And by the way, it's not unconnected from God's blessing. right? Read the passage. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. God's calling and God's blessing are intricately woven together. There's blessing in procreation. It's a gift from God. That's a radical statement today. But I want you to hear that. Children are a blessing from the Lord. That's what they are. They are a gift. An extension of God's goodness to you. That's what children are. 
They're not inconveniences that get in the way of what we really want and need to be doing in this world. They are gifts from God. I understand saying something like that is super radical in our day and age. Where less and less people are having children. Where more and more Christians even are electing to be childless. Hear the word of the Lord today. Don't miss the command, but I would even say, don't miss the blessing. Don't miss the blessing. Statistics are showing that many developed countries are not even hitting their replacement rate. Right? Two people have one kid. In time, you're not replacing yourself. There's a depopulating trend in our world. China. I remember we were in Scotland. They were talking about that. How many more years before Scotland is no more? If you extrapolate that out. Depopulation is bad for society. It's bad for GDP. It's bad for the economy. It's not good. I say all this also with a heavy heart and a sensitivity to those who have or are currently in a struggle with infertility. I also want you to know that God sees you. That God knows your heart. He's present with you in that sorrow and in that struggle. And He hears your cries. He knows your pain. And we want you to know that we're praying for you too. We're praying that you would, the Lord would provide in His perfect way and timing that which your heart desires. We also want to encourage you to prayerfully consider when appropriate the avenue of adoption. There are so many image bearers, 500-ish to be exact, in our county, image bearers that have no home. Maybe the Lord will lead you to pursue adoption. Nonetheless, there's hope and healing and love for you as you encounter that sorrow and struggle. I also say this with such hope and expectation and appreciation for parents, more specifically for mothers, especially those who say, I'm just just a stay-at-home mom. Away with the phrase, just a stay-at-home mom. Away with the phrase. Stay-at-home moms, let me talk to you for a moment. As you embrace your womanhood, as you embrace your femininity, And as you give your life to loving, nurturing, feeding, educating, discipling, and managing your children in the context of your home, you are engaging in God-designed, God-glorifying activity. You're living in accordance with the image of God. Don't let anyone take that away from you. Don't let anyone confuse you and say that real meaning and value and purpose is outside the home. Friends, Stay-at-home moms, it's in the home. It's in the home. It's outside the home too. But it's no less in the home. So stay-at-home moms, chuckle at pop culture that tells those things to you. Pray for pop culture who doesn't understand nor worship their creator to think that you might be less valuable and honorable because 
you're not in the workplace. Let me ask this question. The most successful, influential person in the world. Who is it? Elon Musk? Put Elon Musk up against any mom. Who's more influential? Elon Musk or mom? Moms, you're living in. It's your created purpose. Made in the image of God. You understand that that means this is who I am. You understand this is what I do. Praise God for that. The image of God is foundational to who we are and what we do. It gives us our true dignity. It guides us into God-glorifying activity like work and procreation. And last, the image of God, definition number three, is foundational to how we relate. The image of God is foundational to how we relate. The Westminster Shorter Catechism asks this question. Question number one. What is the chief end of man? Anybody know the answer? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. There's a lot going on in that question. But at base value, it's saying this. You were made to know God. That's what human beings were made for. To know God. To worship God. To enjoy God. Eternally. There's something at the core of humanity that was made for relationship with God. And that affects our relationship to other people. That affects our relationship to the creation in which we were placed in. The image of God is foundational to how we relate. That's what the image of God gets at. Right? That life is about loving God. It's about loving others. It's about cultivating and loving the world in which we live. And this is where the doctrine of the image of God gets real. Because some of you are sitting there going, okay, pro-life. I don't, I'm not a racist. At least I don't consider myself one. I'm not a sexist. Right? I got me a job. Um... I either want kids or I have them. I'm good. Right? It'd be easy to start checking things off those application items and go, I'm living into my creative purpose. But what about this one? What about my relationship with God? In some ways, it's like, a, it's like everything comes to this moment. It's who I am and what I do oriented properly in relationship to God, to others, and the world. It's at this point that we begin to get a little uncomfortable, a little uneasy, a little reflective. And we say, man, there's, there's brokenness, there's disconnect, there's some kind of disruption that we need to acknowledge. who I am, what I do, how I relate. Something has gone awry. Sin has distorted the image of God in us. And we're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. It's hijacked who we are. It's hijacked what we do. It's hijacked how we relate. And some of you are feeling that very intensely today, maybe, as we've walked through this. 
You're confused. You're asking questions like, well, who am I? Why do I exist? What am I doing with my life? Where can I find meaning? A sense of dignity and purpose. How can I know and enjoy relationship with God, the very one who made me? Those are the questions that you need to ask this morning. The truth is in many ways, apart from the Word of God and apart from God revealing Himself powerfully and personally today, those questions can go unanswered. Those problems that we feel, those disconnects, we we can't solve them. And so we come to our need for redemption together, don't we? As we hear all this, we come to our need for redemption. We need renewal. The image of God because of sin remains, but it is distorted. It's damaged. We need renewal. So that we can be who we were meant to be. So that we can do what we were meant to do. And so that we can relate to God, others, in the world in the way that we were meant to relate to it. To be simple so that we can live. So that we can truly live. That's what this reveals. And again, here we are. God sees. God knows. He knows the problems we have, the questions of our soul. He knows that we can't do anything about it. We can't. Our eyes are foggy and blind. Like, who is God? What is God like? And who can fix the issues of my soul? We wrestle with these things. We feel like we're walking around in life in the dark, trying to figure this out. And the wonderful news is that God sees that, God knows that, and He does not leave us in that state. Seeing us, knowing us, to this end, God sent Jesus, His Son, who is the image of God. Right? Colossians 1.15, speaking of Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God. Amen? That's Jesus. He is, Hebrews 1.3, He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. Mankind was, is, made in, and according to the image of God. But Jesus is the image of God. If we want to know what the image of God is in man, we must look no further than Jesus Christ. He is the image of God. Amen? Application 6. By the way, you know that's the last one. Based on the image of God, we find renewal by faith in Jesus Christ. When you hear and you respond by faith, in faith, To the message of Jesus Christ as the image of God. You know what happens? God puts His Spirit in you. He calls you to hear, maybe for the first time today, hear the good news about Jesus. 
That he is the image of God. And in him you can find renewal. You can find freedom. You can find hope. You can find healing. You can get reestablished in a true sense of who you are and what you are called to do. And you for the first time can be brought into fellowship, relationship with God and begin to finally live for the first time. The Spirit, when you hear that, the Spirit of God comes into your heart, takes residence in your life. And after declaring you righteous, he begins a process of sanctifying you. More specifically, a process of conforming you to the image of Christ, the image of God. So today, if you're here, and you're asking those kind of questions, place all your faith and your hope in Jesus Christ To be renewed into the image of Christ. To be filled with the Spirit of Christ. Paul says to the Ephesians, but that's not the way you learn Christ. Assuming you've heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Right? The corruption of our image. Right? Listen. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. What you need is a new identity. And that's what Christ gives. And with it, He gives a new purpose and a sense of meaning. And you talk about value and dignity. We no longer get measure ourselves in other ways in which the world and culture is trying to get at us. No, We see Jesus as the center and the focal point of everything and our identity is found in Him. And our sense of meaning and purpose and our sense of value is found in Him. And nothing can take that away from us. And that process of conformity begins to play out. And in some ways, this process will end someday when we see the image of God with our eyes. No one's ever seen God with their eyes. We've seen Jesus. One day we will see Jesus face to face. John says, 1 John 3, Beloved, we're God's children now. Some of you need to hear that. We're God's children now. In Christ, that's who He makes us. We go from his enemies to his children. He says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. The Spirit of God, right, as we embrace Christ by faith, begins a process of restoring you, process of conforming you to the image of His Son, and one day we will see Him face to face, and our hope is that we shall be like Him. True righteousness and holiness. Everyone who has his hope in Him is pure, even as He is pure, the next verse says. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Christ, the image of God. Friends, The image of God is foundational to how we relate.
to God, to each other, and to the world. I like to exaggerate. You know that about me. right? I like to use extreme language. It brings a little impact and effect. Sometimes you know, it can manipulate an impact that's not even there. You know me by now. I like to exaggerate. It's fun. This is in keeping with my father, right? We had a line all the way down 57 when he's at Maisie's Meat. And you stop by and there's like, there's three people here, right? It's exaggeration for a fact. It's what Maisie's do, right? I'll say things like, Syracuse is the greatest city in the world. I didn't get one amen for that. <laughs> okay, that's, that might be a flat out lie, not an exaggeration, but I feel it. And I want you to feel it too. How about this one? Dan knows this one. I'm going to the gym every day, right? Not every day, right? A little Jim Gaffigan reference. It's an exaggeration. It might be a lie. This one, maybe less. I would die for a coffee right now. Some of you are feeling that right now. I would literally die for a coffee right now. I'm going to make a statement. You tell me if I'm exaggerating. The image of God is foundational to who we are. What we do. And how we relate. I don't think that's an exaggeration. I think we underestimate these things. The doctrine of the image of God. We've underestimated this doctrine. And it's led us into confusion and distortion. Hopefully today brings some clarity, some application of how this doctrine intersects with your uh, ideas, more so your actions, more so your relationship with God. How does this impact who you are? How does this impact what you do? How does it impact how you relate to God and others? You know, go home and just reflect on these things. Pray. Seek the Lord. Missional community this week, I think it's an awesome time to come together and just talk about these things. You may have some questions, ideas, maybe even have some, some disagreements with what was shared. Like, let's do this in community. Can we do that? We come together and talk and, and give value and dignity to one another in conversation, right? Live out this doctrine as we consider the doctrine. It's my hope that this was clarifying and also inspiring to you. May God bless you as you consider these things. To Him be the glory. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we consider very deep things. You've revealed Yourself powerfully in this Word. We've done a pause here to consider what Your Word says to us about who we are. Thank You for Your revelation. We pray that Your Spirit would nurture and feed and um, encourage and, and strengthen today. I pray that all of us would see Christ more clearly and fully, love Him more deeply, in such a way to honor Him more comprehensively with our lives. Lord, display who You are in us, who we are, what we do, and how we live. 
And uh, Lord, we just ask that your uh, spirit would empower us and use us in our lives and in this world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.